Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Never Strays Fandango, your occasional wrap-up of all things Vuelta España by David Miller and Ned Bolting. Today, we're going to be looking at all the action from stages one and stage two, (laughs) and maybe even stage three, if that bit of the podcast works, but I'm not sure it will. How are you, David? I'm very good, Ned Bolting. I'm very good. I'm in Spain. Yeah, it's like crazily hot, isn't it? I spoke to Rendolero, um, who's in Madrid, and he said yesterday, and he said that in his shoebox of a flat, um, the air temperature was, or just outside on the street, the air temperature was 45 degrees. Uh, and yeah. um, there's a bus stop across uh, across the road from him that's sort of in the sunshine, and it has a thermometer on it and a temperature readout. So this isn't the, the, the kind of air, te- the ambient air temperature, but it's the actual temperature on the bus stop in the sunshine was reading 62 degrees. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's a that's quite a long way towards boiling point, isn't it? How is yeah. it in? How in is Girona, it? In, uh, well, it's, it's it's pretty nice. But I'm sitting here. It's it's eight, just gone eight a.m. and I'm already transpiring. So, and it's um. But we it was okay. We went down to the beach and stayed at friends for the weekend. And it was lovely down there. And but it's um. It? Yeah. But it's it, it's just the last few days. It's the hottest it's been all year. I think we had the hottest day of the year on Saturday so far right. so it's a late arriving summer and just in time to make the Vuelta el scoccio so it's, yeah it's um, incredibly hot um i mean unfortunately i guess the race is starting in in the mystery town of burgos <laughs> I, <laughs> got some good answers <laughs> well, on that one we had some we had some absolutely delightful maybe you should read some of them actually we had some delightful answers in, in terms of the, our inquiry about where would you say Borgos was. There was a, a lot of guessing that it was somewhere in Denmark. I think someone else suggested it was in Argentina. And one of my favourite responses of all was, um, uh, mate, I, I had no idea it was even in Spain, which I quite, <laughs> I quite liked. Um, so you, you, you were, I thought that was, I, I thought you'd gone down an unnecessary kind of rabbit hole with, no. I bet people don't know where Burgos is. And you were bang on. People didn't know where Burgos was. But that's a lot of Spain, isn't it? People don't really, they kind of just know the tourist destinations. I mean, I suppose that's the same of any country, really, isn't it? You don't, nobody knows where um, rugby is. or Nottingham Well, that's your England. other little bugbear, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, I do, rug- actually. I know. Well, you I, do. I know. But I know where. You live in England and love yeah. England. But but <laughs> but for, there used um, to be a, there was a pub there used to be a pub down the road from where I used to live in South East London that is now or well, it's changed hands it's under new ownership and it's gone a bit more gentrified but it certainly wasn't gentrified ten years ago and um, it used to have a chalk mess you know the sort of chalk boards that um, you would normally put the menu up or you know or or Thai food or mm. you know something like that. Um, it just had a chalked up message on the outside that said, England, love it or leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That pretty much Welcome sums it up. 
Um, yeah, yeah. So, did, did you actually get to watch any of the race, Ned? Well, I got very excited on Saturday when the race started because I just came, I came home late, quite late on Friday, having been on the road for the, a week with the oh, Tour yeah, Series, yeah. which um, which came to a its conclusion, and then I drove home. By the way, I drove home from Dumfries or in Scotland. Way. Yeah, um, I drove home from Dumfries back to my house in southeast London, calling in on um, uh, a company just south of Birmingham that makes antique glass. Hmm. Um, for uh, for my partner Kath, who makes um, she makes stained glass, hmm. and um, she makes sort of art out of stained glass, I suppose. And she uh, has to get her supplies from this place uh, wow. just south of Birmingham called Antique Glass, which is the only place in the country that makes. Um, now I'm gonna. I don't know. This is a floating fact, really, because I don't know the technical term for it. But they make amazing sheets of flat handmade glass um which has got it's intensely kind of you wouldn't glaze a window with it it's it's colored and it's kind of like rippled and slightly bumpy it's incredibly expensive um (laughs) but it uses very old techniques and they they make these huge sheets of glass cut them into sort of sections and and i'm occasionally sent up to go and buy a load of glass and bring it back for her Mm. um for her requirements but anyway i hadn't been there Hadn't been there for a couple of years to this. Sorry, gone. Yeah. How's this? So it comes clear and then it's stained. Then Kath stains it. How do you stain glass? No, 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 no. She so she buys various different sheets of different colours. Yeah. Ah. Um, and different and 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 they're not just single colours. Like within them, sometimes they'll have multiple colours. Like there's one, the most expensive little pane of glass. This is a raw material that she works from. Mm. The most expensive one is called rose amber. No, mm. rose amber gold, I think, and it's largely speaking pinkish and swirly. But it actually has gold in it. Oh wow! And hmm. so it's quite—it's really quite heavy compared to all the other pieces. And um, anyway, uh, why am I telling you this? Uh, <laughs> I've got no idea. But no, I just want to say it's rather sad because I hadn't been there for for a few years, and it's the most amazing place. So you walk in, and they they make this flat glass um, that passes through this enormous kind of piece of machinery um, kiln that is almost the length of a, a tennis court. And you know, a quarter of the width of a tennis court. It's a huge, vast thing. And but also in this in this factory units, they have multiple different other furnaces and kilns that are firing various bits of um, blown glass because they make what they do is they make incredibly expensive lampshades there that they sell to London hotels. Mm. Um, and they're brilliant. The, the staff there are so down to earth as well. They go, I, I, you know, I sort of picked up this lampshade and said, "Ah, oh, that's nice." And he goes, "Yeah, you wouldn't pay five hundred quid for it, though, would you?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, no, I probably wouldn't. They said, that's what they're selling them for. Costs about 20 quid to make that. Anyway, um, Brilliant. But, it, uh, but it's rather sad because they have been, the industrial estate in which they have a unit is being closed down and knocked down and um, repurposed for housing. Um, and uh, so they're being kicked out of their premises and they have no idea where they're going to go. And I suspect they're going to go bust or at least oh, the, no. the bit of the bit of their the bit of their operation that does this um, very specific flat glass, um, which is the only one in the country that is doing that, I think they're going to have to close that down. Oh. And then and then a kind of centuries-old tradition in this in this country. That's why I'm talking about this. Centuries-old tradition in this country will have vanished. And huh. the only place that Kath will be able to source this um, glass from will be in Germany. Oh, and wow. uh, she'll have to pay like three times the price. Anyway, 
I stopped off there and then I stopped off to see some people down in um, and near Hampton Court in East Molesey and then and I had dinner with them and then I drove home and basically it took all day and all evening and I worked out that my time behind the wheel of the car from Dumfries to my house uh, actually driving was nine and a half hours That's because a I did it time. I did it on a Friday and the M6 was closed and then the M5 was closed and I hate cars David I, know I hate do. time in cars uh, uh, with a passion I really do because it was just vile the whole experience was vile well did you listen to any podcasts or I did I listened to I listened to um, I listened to a series of uh, Radio 4 podcasts called The Reunion which are hosted by Kirsty Walk where she takes a um, little moment in time or a little historical uh, sort of thing that happened of import and she reassembles the various actors in that in that moment and sort of reintroduces them one to the other and they they discuss their recollections of this kind of seismic event oh, really interesting series yeah i really like that um, if, I, if i don't know the toy, but, you'd listen to bunga bunga that's very good bunga? it's about um sylvia berlusconi it's like a wondery eight episode series and it's just so well produced and it's hilarious and it's narrated by this american comedian whitney cummings i think and it's just okay. brilliant i definitely listen to that especially as we we know the kind of madness of italy it does shine through it's awesome the fact that he even exists so yeah i'd recommend that to anybody bunga bunga the, the fact that he's a thing yeah yeah I've, i tried to i've tried to interview him twice really Silvio berlusconi yeah well because he used to be president obviously of um Milan, the football club yeah and uh when i was covering football and back in the sort of you know in the tunnel at, at uh, san siro occasionally he'd, he'd pop up post-match and we'd be seen wandering around and do you know what he's he i mean i'm not a, i'm not a giant physically am i i'm quite short mm. david but he, he kind of comes up to my ear he's that <laughs> sort of height Little he's absolutely pony, tiny he's a tiny little guy and he also like long before donald trump was ever a thing he was wearing like full facial makeup situation and kind of like really obviously badly applied spray tan on his face and Brilliant. really curious um, yeah, it's, yeah it's, and obviously gets, quite unpleasant human <laughs> there you go yeah so that's it's good it comes across fantastically in that series uh so but yeah that was but my long car journey was by way of saying that was friday and yeah. then i got home and i'd been a, i'd been on the road for a week so therefore I woke up on Saturday morning really fresh and feeling really excited about the Vuelta. And I went, mm. I'm really excited because all I want to do now is kick back and watch the Vuelta and stay at home and put it on the big screen of a projector and all that sort of thing. And then I found out it wasn't on till the bloody evening. Ugh, yeah, the old Vuelta evening stage one time trial prologue team time trial thing. <laughs> Can you remember when we did it We did it in Sevilla and it was supposed to be 10 years or so ago and we started at like midnight I don't, it, it I don't was remember like, that. You did, yeah. did you start? We right, said 10.30, okay. so I think the last team was off at like 11.30 at night. That's insane. Yeah, it was yeah, That must be the latest you've ever done a bike race, right? Yeah, by yeah, far. it was by far. Because it was, and because the next day when we started at two o'clock in the afternoon, it was 52 degrees in the start line. Jeez. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, was savage, savage. But yeah, it wasn't like that in Burgos, was it? But it must have been hot. But what... What was it like? No, it was in mid thirties, I think. Sort of, yeah, high, mid, oh, yeah it was fine. plenty hot enough to be mm. kind of unpleasant. Mid to high thirties, um, as as it was yesterday as well. Um, so I didn't, but then I can't remember what kind of life got in the way a little bit. I was, oh yeah, I started cooking a very elaborate meal um, on Saturday night. So I only had one eye on the on the racing really, and it was an individual time trial. And when I looked at the start list, I kind of thought, uh, there's no mm. Rowan Dennis, there's no Stefan Kung. There's no Remco even a pool. There's no Wout Van Aert. There's no Filippo Ganna. 
there's no time trial aces, you know, mm. in that sense. Um, and of the GC contenders, there's a load of skinny climbers and then there's Roglic. So yeah. Roglic will win that when he, and there's no Pog, obviously. So mm. Roglic, the newly crowned Olympic time trial champion, will win that when he, and he was the last man off and won it. Yeah, I I kind of had the same feeling. I had the classic trying to watch a bike race scenario and I was at my friend's house at the beach and the kids were playing and stuff. So I went to watch Eurosport and had to do it through all the digital stuff on TV because there's no terrestrial TV because very few people have that now in the modern houses. They just plug it all in the internet. Had to sign into my account, find my password, get it to work. And then <laughs> it was like one of those ones. It was like, oh, I just want to, I just want to turn it on and watch it and make it simple. I know. And I then know. I finally got in there and couldn't find it. Got it, finally found it. And then it, it would only play for a minute and then stop. And I'd have to refresh the page. Oh, and, and it was just, I did that about seven times. I thought, what am I doing? And yeah. then I tried to get the GCN app to work and I couldn't get it to work. And I was like, yeah. well, there you go. It's, quite hard to watch a bike race sometimes and it's I, and funny I, isn't it how technology up. technology in that sense has got has just made it more difficult to consume things on the telly you know yeah the, the, the clever the cleverer it gets and it is really clever the harder it is just to switch it on i mean yeah we 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 we've gone to the other extreme in this house i mean no sorry we've gone to the same extreme but even further in this house david because we don't actually have a telly oh, so not only we don't have you know, we don't have Virgin or Sky or anything, or you know, we don't have no actual telly piped into the house, and we also don't have a telly. So all I have is a laptop and um, a projector. <coughs> so yeah. if you just want to switch on the telly, you have to wheel this little this little trolley out into the middle of the room um, on nice. which the projector is balanced. You have to wheel that out; it's like a little dolly trolley thing. And then um, the, in front of me, there's a big white wall, and then you have to get my laptop out, and then hope the broadband is up to it, and then plug it all in. And then you know, it takes about just turn the telly on, and 20 minutes later, I'm still faffing yeah. around with it. It's completely that, and it's 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 one of the reasons I always it's it's not deliberate me not watching bike racing all the time. It's simply because it very rarely works well. And for me here in Spain, and I, and I end up just getting frustrated and, and, and give up. But it sounds like that first, I did watch a bit of it. I mean, did, the course didn't look terrible. I thought they just went up a hill and down a hill, right? Yeah, Basically. it was one of them, wasn't it, a little bit? So, for example, and I'm, this is just, you know, I'm just kind of mining for gold here, and the odd little nugget of a fact might emerge. But I, I do think that, for example, and I, th- I seem to think he's done this on a couple of occasions, um, Adam Yates rode the first half of the course incredibly fast um and then faded mm. uh and i think he was one of the right where did he finish in the end i mean sort of okay but down down a, a little bit relative to to some of the other some of his rivals but they had quite a good race actually but um i think a number of the the gc contenders who weren't called primos roglic had the same experience so the, you know they went off quite well they used their advantage of the climb and then they lost a bit of time on the um on the run in I mean, it wasn't much of a climb, was it? If you look at the profile, it was kind of, well, actually, I mean, when you saw it race, when you actually saw it being raced, it looked more of a climb than the profile might suggest. Oh, yeah, but the profile looks pretty lame. There were three or four kilometers towards the finish line that were flat. So Adam Yates, for example, um, lost 20 seconds. So he wasn't the worst of them by any means. Mm. Um, Vlasov, the Astana leader, lost 14 seconds. Um... And probably, yeah, he finished best of all the GC riders other than Roglic. Um, Bardet lost 17 seconds. Enric Mas, 18. 
Adam Yates lost 20, but that's not the end of the story for Adam Yates, is it, after what happened yesterday? Jack Haig, 21 seconds with um, Miguel Angel Lopez, who's leading Movistar. Um, and then the sig- most significant kind of standout name in the in terms of the the, 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 the time in, the, in stage one in the time trial was Richard Carapaz, who actually lost 25 seconds, uh, yeah, which is that's... surprising, isn't it? It's surprising that Carapaz lost... 25 seconds um, to Roglic, where Roman Bardet lost 17. But I, mean, I guess Carapaz said... might be a, a little bit um, chilled out, relaxed, you know, because he killed it, did a great Tour de France, saved it for Ineos Grenadiers, won the Olympics. I guess he went, <laughs> did he go back to, to Ecuador? He must have done. I guess so, yeah. And then come See, back the pro- again. The problem is I'm not, uh, when I'm not commentating on the... No. So this is the kind of granular detail I don't know the answer to. Um, Egan mm. Bernal lost 27 seconds. That's disappointing for him. It's, mm. That's a bit surprising. Isn't it? I mean, over the course of seven kilometres, yeah. to lose 27 seconds to Roglic is quite a chunk, isn't it? Yeah, it's a chunk, and, especially when it's not easy to drop the old boy or Primoz. Is no, it? he's quite good. He's quite, he's good, quite good. He's quite good. So that was the prologue. Yeah, so, it was, I'm afraid. Well, uh, I mean, hat tip should go because it's going to shape... It's going to. Sh- it certainly shaped yesterday's race, and it might might have a bearing today, depending on how severe the climb is at the finish of today's stage. I don't really know how severe it is. It looks. It looks. <laughs> it looks really severe. It looks really severe. But um, Alex Arambaru, maybe his challenge is over. But he. So he finished the. He was on the hot seat for a long time in the time trial, and he was only just beaten by Roglic, who was the last rider off, and he finished six seconds down. And as a result, he went chasing bonus seconds yesterday on that flat and windy stage, uh, Adam Baru. But you reckon today's climb, he won't be able to survive? No, it's it's a cat one. It's one of those kind of profiles, a little bit tricky at the beginning of the stage, but long, long sort of flat rows into the build-up. <laughs> little cat three with about 30Ks to go, 25Ks to go. And then you've got a 9K up to the finish, which takes in nearly 800 metres climbing. So... That's like nine percent kind of average, eight eight nine percent average, which is pretty damn steep, especially in the heat. It's gonna be hot as hell, so it's yeah. gonna be it's it's there's gonna be some serious damage on that climb. It'd actually, be good to race if I can get a TV to work somewhere. Uh, good to <laughs> good to watch. I mean, but um, not good to race. Good to not watch. good to race. Not good to race. Too. No, not good to race. <laughs> but um, but what's uh, so then yesterday's stage the um the old yeah. sprint is good. Yeah, I to saw see a bit of yesterday's stage. Yeah, saw a bit of that. Um, and, uh, classic sprint as well, and but the old Fabio is coming back. Yeah, he is, which is a great thing to see, isn't it? It's yeah. Jakobsen. Um, mm. so the sprinters, the kind of marquee sprinters at this race are Arno Demar, who finished a very disappointing 14th yesterday, despite um, the best efforts of his team. I don't really know the reason for that. Don't know what happened to him really. Um, Jasper Philipson, who finished multiple times on the podium at the Tour de France and came very close to beating Mark Cavendish on occasions, um, who has won at the Vuelta last year in the past. And uh, Fabio Jakobsen, who was also um, previously won at the Vuelta. Uh, they are the three big name sprinters, but an emerging, an emerging rider um, in sprinting over the last couple of years has been Juan Sebastian Molano, who is huge, the Colombian from... Um, UAET Emirates, who's often deployed as a lead-out man for Fernando Gaviria, who's another sprinter who's kind of coming back. It's really, it's really interesting, you know, if you look, we look further beyond the, just the riders who are at the Vuelta um, to kind of world sprinting at the moment, because Grunewagen started winning again. Saw that. Yeah. Um, Jakobsen, you know, what an amazing comeback that is. Cavendish, obviously. 
Um, and now Gaviria, after a couple of years in the wilderness, having had double COVID during mm. 2020, etc., um, he seems to be back to winning ways as well. Caleb Ewan's not gone away. Um, Jasper Philipsen is still a developing kind of sprinter. Uh, Wout van Aert is Wout van Aert. So it's incredibly, there are so many. If you put them all in the same race and said, go, I, I mean, I haven't got a clue who would win. I have it's no a, idea who's the <clears> fastest anymore. It's a great story for next year's Tour de France, <clears throat> if they actually all back up. Because yeah. then it's going to be so hard for, for Mark Cavendish to get that that record-breaking stage win. And it kind of puts in perspective how how much the stars aligned this year. Because yeah. they're all just starting to wind up again. And you're like, oh dear. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah. as you said, seeing Jakobsen make this remarkable comeback is something else. So That's brilliant. It, and it's almost exactly, I'd said it's almost exactly a year since the crash in Poland, right? Yeah. So the, August yeah. of last year, I think. Right, that is an incredible comeback then. Yeah, mm. that's not long. Good on him. Good on him. No, uh, that's great. But apparently, I mean, so what? dipping in and out of the coverage yesterday, I thought it was, um, there was a constant 15 kilometer an hour wind uh, and it was hot. But and the wind didn't relent, um, mm. but it it didn't. It, there was a constant sort of you know the the course switched directions repeatedly, but there were long straight exposed sections. So there was this air of wariness over the peloton, but nothing actually sort of kicked off. It was mm. one of those days that are a little bit frustrating to watch because you and probably quite frustrating to ride as well because it's hard, but there's no reward at the end kind of thing. Or? That's that's classic Volter action. But I think what happens if it's this hot as well, it tends to neutralise the race a bit because there's only so much you can do. And I think that that could be playing into kind of neutralizing a bit the race. And we'll see in the coming days, but often when you're going into the 40 degree heat, it starts to just neutralize the whole peloton because you simply can't go hard for long. It just becomes about self-preservation and drinking. So we'll see. That's often the case. And since the world moved to August, September, it's um, just become the heat fest. It's uh, a bit torturous. Yeah. yeah, you do. You do wonder about it's the future viability in August. You know, mm. because as as Matt pointed out, you know, it, with temperatures rising as quickly as they are, even the Tour de France in July is kind of a questionable enterprise. If you fast forward ten or fifteen years, you know, let alone the Vuelta in August, which yeah. just you know turns the cooker up another ten degrees basically on France, doesn't it? Routinely, uh, yeah, um, it's it's a madness. But I mean, this yeah. has been that's been the de- debate, the polemic for for so many years is that do you make the, the Volta two weeks long and kind of change it and change it up but I think once ASO now ASO own it it's um, yeah. I think I'll keep it three weeks it's part of the it's yeah. part of just what it is you can't if you take that no. two weeks you kill it it's just the beginning of the end yeah. of the Volta that tends to be what happens yeah. when a race starts to get shortened it starts to yeah. starts to um starts to disappear yeah. literally yeah. My, you my seem son. distracted is, is Harvey's, one of your children? Harvey's, Harvey's, Harvey's just walked in what are you doing Harvey? hi Harvey yeah, what's he doing? He's playing with he's playing with my little cars, my Tour de France cars oh, and bikes. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, we should say that um, Philipson won. Oh yeah, Philipson won <laughs> that bit. <laughs> Philipson won, um, but it was pretty close to Fabio Jakobsen, and it was a sprint, David. That they turned left-handed at sixteen hundred meters to go, and thereafter it was a big straight line in an avenue in central Burgos for one point six k. Oh, wow. It was wide and straight. And it's really unusual. I mean, it's a, it was a very strange finish like that. So incredibly, I would imagine, difficult uh, and uh, for the sprinters. I mean, you really had to rely on quite a big lead-out train. And ultimately, the two dominant lead-out trains delivered their sprinters to the line in the best shape. And that was to Koenig Quickstep and um, uh, 
Alps and Felix, and uh, it was close between those two. So I don't know when their next opportunity is to sprint, but um, but that's that's quite a nice little battle there yeah. between them. Yeah, I see. There's a crash as well with four k's to go. Yes, and that cost um, a, a couple of Border Hansgrohe riders, Gamper and someone else, um, went down, but I think they got back on. But it cost. Um, uh, Jack Haig, I believe, Adam Yates, and someone else. A bit of time. So I think Adam yeah. Yates lost another 30 seconds or something. Yeah, I'm just looking at that now. Um, maybe 50 seconds or something. But yeah, Was that's it? not... I'm just looking... Oh, no, there is 30 <laughs> seconds. Is it 30 seconds? seconds? Who else? Jack yeah. Haig. Oh, and Hugh, Car- Hugh, Hugh Carthy, Carthy as well. Hugh Carthy as well. Jack Haig. I know Adam Yates, yeah, he was seven seconds in front of them. He's 31 seconds. Yeah, yeah. and then 38 seconds, Hugh Carthy. And yeah, that's yeah, not so ideal that's for not them. Ideal. No, no, not at all. No. Yeah. Uh, what um, else do we know about this Voltaire? Should we just have a little bit of a look through? Because I don't, I haven't even. I don't, I don't know anything I, about this Voltaire. No, I don't know anything. We should probably um, have done a bit of research before we kind of got on this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> before we launched a, a kind of like Welter branded podcast series. Yeah, you know, trump, trumpeting our expert knowledge. Um, um, but we'll stumble our way through it. We'll find some stuff to say. Uh, so, what are you doing for the rest of the day? Because I've got some interesting plans. What uh, for me, um, I'm going into Girona because we've got our Chapter 3 studio open now and we've actually got people working here. So, that's wow. a hot, brave so new to, world. You're going to work. I'm going to you're work. Going to work. I'm like going to an office. I know. And I've been riding in every day last week. Um, and it's quite, a t- it's quite, have you been pushing on a bit? Cause a there's that bit. long drag, isn't there? Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> no, it's been, it's been really nice. It's quite, quite, I've never worked in an office before, Ned. So it's, oh. it's, it's quite a revelation for me. Yeah, That's I know. Whoopie do. <laughs> so yeah, going in there, but it's a nice office, it's got a nice studio and we've got four or five it's lovely. in there now. Yeah. What an so incredible place it is as well on, on the, what do you call it? On, on the Rambler. Yeah, on the, it's on the Rambler. Yeah, on the Rambler. So it's right in the centre of Girona. So it's, it's, it it's quite exciting. It's central. It's, yeah. No, yeah, it really couldn't be. So that's that's quite exciting, just getting all that set up and, and getting the team together. And, and that's what I'm doing the, this next few weeks is is, is that, really. Um, what about you? I decided, um, and this is slightly born out of my nine and a half hours in the car the other day as well, where I was, had the radio on. Um, when I wasn't listening to podcasts and I was listening to Test Match Special, which you know I'm quite a fan of because we discussed yeah. it, didn't we, when we were watching Maidstone That's right. County Cricket uh, and doing our cricket commentary yeah. <laughs> back in the, during the Tour de France. <laughs> well, you were. Um, I, I am, I'm a real fan of Test Match Special. I, I just think I find it intensely relaxing to listen to. And do you know what? I got kind of suckered into actually caring about the cricket a bit. Huh. So at the moment, England are playing India and the Indian side is really good and the England side is a bit flaky. Save for the fact that they have uh, the England captain, Joe Root, keeps, who I just love. He's like a character from the 1950s or something. He's kind of like slightly unreal. Huh. He's just kind of like old fashioned values in a way. Um, uh, but he keeps saving their ass by like scoring a century and then not, get, not giving his wicket away and stuff. Huh. And he is basically, it's a one man team and it's Joe Root. Wow. And he keeps, he keeps putting them in a position where they've got a chance, like uh, snatching some sort of result from the jaws of defeat. And, and um, I was listening on Friday I was, or Saturday, maybe I was, yeah, on Saturday on the commentary that I had on sort of vaguely in the background when I was also, when I was watching the, the cycling, I had, <laughs> I had the cycling on the screen, but test match special on the radio, <laughs> which is pretty, which is pretty weird. And that gave me an idea. So um, they said, they said, oh, by the way, 
Um, though they're all terribly posh on Test Match Special. You might want to know, you might want to know that uh, tickets are still available for the fifth day of the uh, the second test. Um, and so just go onto the website and have a little look. And I, I believe they've been heavily discounted. So I went onto the Lord's website and uh, sure enough, there were thousands of free seats <laughs> for like an international sporting event. And wow. the, the seats cost 20 quid. Oh, happy days. So I just went... So I just went, oh, I'll have a bit of that. Of course, the th- cricket being cricket, you don't really know when you buy the ticket whether or not you're going to see any, any action because, or how much action you might see because you don't know when the game's going to end, huh. <laughs> right? Because it might not even get to a fifth day. <laughs> or the fifth day might be like one hour long. Um, or it might go all day until seven o'clock in the evening. So I don't know. So I might get, uh, anyway, I'm, Cut a long story short, I'm going to go up to Lords on my own. I didn't contact anyone else. I didn't say to any of our friends, you know, fancy going to Lords. So it's a fully anti-social That's lovely. Um, I'm just well, going to... Ch- we just sit off the radio on, do you, and listen to it while you're there? Well, Can I you- thought, uh, yeah, I'm going to put Test Match Special on for a bit. But then when the, the cycling starts in Spain, I'm going to switch over and I'm going to be literally sitting in Lords watching the test match with my own eyes, but listening to GCN Eurosport's commentary of the Vuelta. And then occasionally I'm going to glance down at presuming, you know, hoping I've got enough 5G or whatever uh, to, to, to actually watch a bit of the Vuelta. And then what I thought I'd do, David, is now I'm quite anxious about this because I might come across as a mad person sitting on my own in Lords. But from time to time, I'm going to record a little bit of kind of like re- reportage. Oh, that would be brilliant. And, and then what's happening in Spain in the cycling. And uh, I don't know how it's going to work, really, but I'm going I'm to try and produce a stage three stroke day five of the second test between England and India mashup. Uh, that'd be uh, awesome. That's the plan. And you know what would be brilliant? If like, one of the, the roving kind of um, crowd cameras caught you doing it. Just mumbling to myself. Just sitting there with a the microphone in the stands on your own, commentating to yourself. <laughs> It would be brilliant. I'm already feeling quite. I'm feeling quite anxious about it. So uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's the plan. We'll see how that we'll see how that plays uh, out, David. And then, as a result, I shall get home at some point this evening, and I shall uh, edit the rest of this podcast and put it out there to the internet. Fantastic. Well, I'll do a bit more research so we can do a bit more of a preview on our next one. Although it'll be a weekend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where, where, when's our? Because uh, we've actually scheduled. The we've next actually recording, scheduled. We? Yeah. I need to just let me tell next. you. Um, Monday, I think. I think it is Monday because we've got quite a lot coming up. So this is more of a warm up, getting us back into it. And then, um, (laughs) hang on, podcasts. Here we go. Calendar. Okay, Volta Espana, Never Strays Fandango. Well, August the 16th, 23rd, and 30th of August. So three, we must have. Oh, no. And then we've got also. So the three uh, rest days. Well, there are three three rest days. The three Mondays. Three three Mondays we do the Volta. But then we've got a bit of Deutschland tour in the middle of that. And well, some tour then, of Britain. See, in the middle week, in the middle week of the Vuelta, I'm going to commentate on the Deutschland Tour, which is a four-day race this year. And um, I thought that we could do a daily strand yeah. during my my little sojourn in Germany. I think that's called, a great um, idea. Never strays Schmetterling, or never Schmetterling, <laughs> never Schmetterling. Yes. Never Schmetterling. Uh, Never so that's a little that's a little treat. But we're not going to just in that one we're not going to solely focus on the comings and goings in Spain. Although that will be very much your duty to be across that David because I'll be mm-hmm. literally watching another bike race. Um but I'll so it'll be a bit of a Germany Spain mashup in the middle week of the Vuelta there. Very good. So that's um so you know and this is all courtesy of Melinda Apples who've been very kind to us and uh um you know and I think that you should. Uh, well, I think actually, also beyond Melinda Apples, um, I think I hear from our people behind the scenes, 
your Harry and, and my Ross that they're lighting up a, a pretty cool competition for listeners. Um, oh, that is in the that's in the wings, isn't it? I don't yeah. know when we're going to launch that, but yeah, there yeah. is stuff. I think we Happening. did it last year, didn't there? Yeah. There's stuff to kind of win and black yeah. and have. So quite interesting we'll, bespoke stuff as well. So yeah, yeah. we'll be, we'll let you know when we know because yeah. we don't know. Yeah, yeah. they know, know. I well, think. Yeah. Okay. All right. Splendid. Okay. All right. Have, have well, fun at uh, cricket. Yeah, and uh, and hopefully what follows will be the crickety thing. All right. <laughs> Very good. So I made my way inside Lords for the first time in my life to see a test match. Um, I have to say, rather naively thought I could just swan up with my ticket, but um, you had to queue for about half a mile alongside the sort of brick perimeter of uh, of the ground. But I'm inside and uh, uh, presented with that slightly weird phenomenon of watching a sporting event uh, without any commentary because you, you just kind of sit there, don't you? Um, but it's brilliant. So at the moment, in, uh, India are... Still batting in their third innings and uh, proving to be rather resolute and uh, difficult to get out and building up quite a lot of runs, as I believe they're called, which England are going to have to try and get if they're going to win the match. And it's coming up for uh, midday. And, um, and uh, so the, the cycling, the uh, stage three hasn't started yet, or at least um, we haven't got live coverage of it yet. So I'm going to try and keep an eye on uh, what's going on there. But um, yeah, this is great. This is great. I'm loving this. Well, it's uh, lunch now um, in this test match, and, uh, and um, an amazing ninth wicket partnership has effectively, for India, um, taken the game beyond England. At least that's what I've been told by uh, the commentators on Test Match Special, to whom I'm listening occasionally. Um, so, uh, so my, and it's also quite cold, and it's just starting to drizzle with rain as well, and um, it's all been rather frustrating. And my. My newfound sort of Johnny-come-lately enthusiasm for cricket is at the very first opportunity being tested, and I'm actually wondering whether I um, jump on my bike and cycle home and watch the Vuelta on the telly. That's how much I love the game of cricket. Shami, it is, the uh, Indian batsman in particular, he's got a half-century. Apparently, he's absolutely rubbish at batting, and famously rubbish at batting. Uh, but he's just single-handedly beaten England. Meanwhile, at the uh, Vuelta, they're about 45 kilometres in. There's a breakaway of um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven riders, including Lillian Kanjan, Joe Dombrowski, who won a stage at the uh, Giro this year, Kenny Elisand and Yetze Bol, the perennial favourite in the, uh, at the Vuelta, the Dutchman. Uh, they've been joined by Tobias Bayer, the Austrian from Alpesen Phoenix, uh, Julian Amesqueta of uh, Cajarural, and uh, Antonio uh, Soto. Um, that makes up the, the riders in the breakaway. And uh, Kenny Ellison has taken the first King of the Mountains of the day, the uh, little Frenchman from Trek Segafredo. And of course, it's worth noting that uh, today's stage is the first summit finish, as David was mentioning earlier, in the Vuelta up the Picon Blanco, where Roman Bade won a stage at the uh, Vuelta a Burgos uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, and actually, just thinking about the Vuelta stage and uh, hoping to catch a little bit of it on <clears throat> on the, on my phone, at least listen to it, um, has persuaded me to stick this out and watch a bit more cricket.
So England have now <clears throat> declared. No, sorry, India have now declared. Here they come, the England uh, batters. Meanwhile, the Indian team are huddled around, uh, looking very um, like they're quite good at cricket. Meanwhile, at the Vuelta, so the gap's about seven and a half minutes to the breakaway. There's 97 kilometres remaining. And uh, the first English batsman is out. Third ball. And another England batsman is just been out, and they've scored one. And the one run that they have scored was a no ball, so actually they haven't scored any. All right, so it's uh, tea in the test match, um, and England are, I don't know, something like 66 or something for four. Johnny Bairstow's just been dismissed, and um, that was two hours of cricket I won't remember in a hurry. It was, uh, I think I seem to have piled into, sorry, bumped into someone. I seem to have uh, piled into a test match that was, was kind of the equivalent of a, um, of a uh, stage of the Tour de France of 280 kilometres in length in which one man is in the breakaway and it ends in a bunch of sprints. Um, that's what it feels like anyway. So I think it's one for the purists, uh, today's uh, cricket. Meanwhile, in the Vuelta, those eight riders in the breakaway have got an eight and a half minute lead with 25 kilometres to go. So is there going to be a surprise and possibly temporary red jersey? Still T uh, here, players about to resume. Meanwhile, back at the Vuelta, that big time gap of eight minutes plus has been whittled down to four minutes, 40 seconds. As the peloton go over the uh, penultimate climb of the day, the, uh, the uh, Alto de Blanco, I think it's called, or Boco. Uh, it's a bit difficult um, being totally up to speed with the names of all these times while I'm at a cricket match. But anyway, um, that's, uh, so that time gap's come down really fast, so it looks like the race is uh, under control for the peloton. Alto de Bocos. Alto de Bocos. And it appears to be um, Barre victorious in their, in their special edition Vuelta kit, uh, which is driving things on and uh, bringing the race back very fast now. As I say, uh, just over 17 kilometres to go in the Vuelta. Uh, England captain uh, Joe Root is out um, straight after two. Mexican wave has started. Meantime, at the Vuelta, three kilometres to go for Ryan Taramay, Kenny Elisand, and uh, Lillian Kalmajan. And they could, yeah, hold on. They've got a two and a half minutes advantage or thereabouts. Uh, sorry, not Kalmajan, Joe Dombrowski. Dombrowski. And uh, just inside 3K, Ryan Tarame has attacked the other two. So there we go. Ryan Tarame uh, takes the stage, beating them all to the line. And with that, he takes the red jersey in the Vuelta by a few seconds. Haven't done the calculation. Too complicated for me with everything going on around me. But he takes the red jersey, takes the stage. A decade after he won his uh, first Grand Tour stage at the Vuelta. Uh, back in the day when he was a coffee rider, I believe. Anyway, um, 
that's the situation. And uh, in the GC group, Carapaz lost a bit of time. Uh, Hugh Carthy lost a bit more time. Roman Bardet lost time. Michelanda lost a bit of time. Uh, Adam Yates finished in a group with Egan Bernal um, and Primoz Roglic, etc. Um, from which Enric Mas just attacked, maybe to nick a second or two. And that was the story of stage three of the Vuelta. Meanwhile, back in the cricket, just going to poke my head above and see what the scoreboard is saying, because I just stepped outside so I could uh, talk into my phone like a lunatic. Um, it's 76 for five with 30 overs remaining, and I'm debating whether or not I can be bothered to stay to the end. Another wicket down, that's uh, the sixth wicket. So three more wickets. That's the seventh wicket. <laughs> this could be over quite quickly, no? Patrick Ball then for Siraj coming in from the pavilion end. Bolts to Robinson, leaves it. Survives. Oof. I've had to leave um, with uh, three wickets still intact for England and 15 overs to see out. So I don't know the outcome, but I've I've had to go early from my uh, first ever experience of test cricket to go and um, see a person who uh, might be about to sell me a second-hand bike for a family member. Um, so that's that. I'll try and update update the score um, in, in the edit when I edit this together. That's fun. Bye. So here's the update. Uh, we bought the bike. It was a Condor Acciaio. A steel frame beauty, and we got it for an absolute bargain. Uh, so thank you very much to the person who sold us that bike, and then we rode it home. Um, and only really when I got home did I realise what had happened back at the cricket that I'd left. One of the most historic test matches of all times at Lords, and uh, that had been my induction into cricket. I did find it really compelling at times. I found the crowd absolutely fantastic. I loved, I loved the massive Indian supports in the ground, and I enjoyed the whole vibe. Actually, to be honest. Um, but it appears that England lost three wickets after I left and uh, were beaten by 151 runs. Uh, but um, the cricketers may have a break. The Vuelta riders go on. And in a week's time, uh, so do we. I hope you've enjoyed the um, inaugural Nevestray's Fandango of 2021. And please uh, keep eating those Melinda apples. It keeps us all um, healthy and fit and wise. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 